Welcome to Flicks and Giggles. My name is Amy. My name is Izzy. And this week, we are coming at you with the new released movie, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snake, Hunger Games. Hunger Games. <laughs> because the strike is over and we can do new movies now. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before we start with the spoilers and everything, we're going to just explain the little, the movie, what it's about, and our spoiler-free review. So those of you who haven't seen it, can still get a little idea of what's going on. Yeah, we'll let you know when the spoilers come in. Yes. Um, and then you can go watch the movie and come back and then finish the podcast. Exactly. But make sure you finish the podcast. Please. That's a threat. <laughs> I, I said please, and you're like, that's a threat. <laughs> Good cop, bad cop. <laughs> um, so, The Ballad of Songbird Instinct. Do you want to explain her? Sure. Okay. Okay. Um, so we are 64 years up before... The first Hunger Games movie. Um, so we're 64 years in the past. This is a prequel to um, the Hunger Games movies that we know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are following a teenage boy named Coriolanus Snow, who you would know as President Snow if you've watched the other Hunger Games movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the 10th annual Hunger Games. So this is the first Hunger Games that introduces mentors and like gift giving and, and donating and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Coriolanus Snow has become a mentor in the games. He's trying to win a scholarship, I believe. A prize and a scholarship. The Plinth Prize. Yes. Um, and he's paired up with a tribute named Lucy Gray Baird from District 12. Mm -hmm. Um, Who is known as the Runt. Yes. Um, and he's trying to help her survive and win the games Mm -hmm. to win his award. Exactly. What would you rate this movie? I would give this maybe an 8.5 or a 9. 8.75. I think I give it... I don't know. Because when I came out of the movie, right after, I texted Claire, and I said, I give it 12 out of 10. (laughs) Because I was like, she's from District 12. And I love her. But I think I would probably give it, like, a 9. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's better than I think we've reviewed any other movie, so... <laughs> to be fair, I gave Past Lives 9. Originally, oh, I said you? it was 10, and then I gave it a 9. And then you gave it really low. <laughs> Apologies. Um, you know, I'm here to be honest. <laughs> um, so, spoiler-free. Yes. Um, well, it's called The Ballad of Songbird and Snakes, so there's obviously a lot of singing... In it. I thought you were going to say there's obviously a lot of s- snakes. We'll get there. Oh, we'll, we'll get there. Um, there's a, a lot of singing. And I, honestly, a lot of people were, like, surprised. They're like, it's a musical. And I was like, it's called a ballad. It's not even a musical, though. No. She sings, like, three times. Yeah. Um, but I I really liked the music in the movie. Me too. I'm going to start there. And mm-hmm. I really liked the pacing of the movie. It's divided into three acts. Mm-hmm. And I think it was really well done. I'm really happy with the pacing. I it's it is like a I think it's like 160 minutes or something like that. Yeah, like it it's was a quite a long movie. Almost three hours. And I was 
never bored and I feel like I get kind of bored sometimes if movies are draggy like mm -hmm. I think that was one of the reasons that past lives lost a point for me not because it was like boring at all but because it it's was slow. it was slow mm -hmm. yeah I didn't this movie did not feel slow to me it also just didn't feel like it was three hours long I agree with that yeah yeah Oh, the, the cast. I keep seeing a few people refer to Coriolanus Snow on TikTok as Cunty Draco Malfoy, and I just feel like, I really agree. I feel like that's the Draco Malfoy that we all picture when you read Dramini-like fanfics. <laughs> this has gone somewhere it didn't need to go. <laughs> Anyways. Um, you can cut that part out. <laughs> I will are, not be. <laughs> <laughs> these are some of my favorite reviews from um, Letterboxd. Great, give them to me. So the first one is reviewed by Clem Clem. Um, Clem. She gave the movie four stars. They, sorry. And they said, never trust a man during his bus cut era. <laughs> and then there's another one watched by Matisse. Um, they said, got his heart broken once and decided to kill children for the rest of his life. <laughs> There. <laughs> um, there's an Isabel who said, any movie without Gale is good, I'm pleased. And I'm with her. Oh, that. no. <laughs> and then this one is really funny. This one was reviewed by Mar, and they said, Cunty Draco Malfoy discovers fascism and masculinism. <laughs> and then this one is about Lucy Gray Baird. They said, this is by Matt E. They said, girls who belt always have ulterior motives. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Chloe said, me when my boyfriend gets a haircut and I stop liking him. <laughs> he buzzed it off. <laughs> yeah. And this one is my favorite one. This is by Cam Izzy. They said, corny anus. <laughs> I hope you rot in hell, you gorgeous bastard. <laughs> That's my favorite one. <laughs> oh my god. Um, and I agree with every single one of those takes. Yeah. Absolutely. I think he was a really good cast. Um, there was one moment where I think this was the third act, right after the bus, the bus cut, and mm -hmm. we both turned to each other and we were like, "He's sexy." <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing: I like maybe they made him too sexy. <laughs> I think that was the point. But you're not supposed to you're like not supposed President to... Snow, exactly. So he can't be sexy. But he is. <laughs> um, I also really liked Viola Davis's um, character, Volumnia Gall. Mm -hmm. I feel like she was just so deliciously evil and wicked. And she really, like, soaked in it. Like, even, like, there was an interview where they were like, as an actor, whenever you're playing evil characters, you're supposed to find the good in them. Did mm -hmm. you find any in Volumnia? And she was like, no, absolutely not. And she was like, the good about Volumnia Gull is that she is purely evil. And she, it's her weapon, and she's good at it. And that's her good, is that she is just evil. And you could, you could see it. And I feel like it's so easy to get those overly evil kind of characters like wrong but I feel yeah. like her character was so scary and so well it's because she wasn't playing evil at all no yeah and it was just so grounded mm -hmm. and I feel like every cast member made all of these characters their own like mm -hmm. Lucy Graybeard, Coriolanus, Sejanus, all of them I think it was just a really good cast yeah I agree I have no I have no problems with mm -hmm. cast at all I was and happy with cast and the guy who played Lucky Flickerman, he was hilarious. He was great. Yeah. At first, I thought he was going to be cheesy, and I was like, oh, no. Mm -hmm. But then 
Because they start off with him being like part-time magician, right? <laughs> but he didn't end up being cheesy, and I really loved that. Mm-hmm. I he honestly at the end, he was like really, really growing on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was the first host of the Hunger Games before the tenth annual Hunger Games is the start of the rest of the Hunger Games. Yeah, like common era Hunger Games. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was the beginning of everything. Yeah, yeah. Any um, other spoiler-free? That I had a couple. Wait, let me... We did that. Um, oh, the singing at the very beginning. Because we were talking about how, like, it felt... <laughs> and I've seen a couple other people talk about this. Mm-hmm. About how it felt a little... Cringy? Yeah. I, I think the singing itself in the whole movie was perfect. And exactly where it needed to be, except for that very first song. The thing is, I think, like, because in the real world, that is something that, like, if someone got up and did, you would be like, what? Like, what "What? what are you doing? Right? (laughs) And it's like, you can, as much as you can say, like, okay, well, this isn't the real world. This is this completely different dystopian world. She's a singer. She's a songbird. It's like, you're never gonna, you're never gonna completely erase that, like, social taboo out of everyone's brain of, like, the fact that this is weird. Like, someone getting up and singing in front of a crowd when there's, like, a horrible, tragic thing happening and she's, like, can't take my choice. Yeah. It's, it's it's like, they literally did. (laughs) They just took your choice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm, like, that's just, um, that that was the only thing. After that, the singing felt natural because Mm. she's, she's either sitting playing her guitar, or she's on a stage, or, you know, all these things. She's in a place where she's supposed to be. And that moment, to me, felt like a um, talk-to-me sleepover moment. Do you know what right, I mean? Right, right. Like, like, why is it happening? Because it has to happen. Mm-hmm. And that those those always get me. I'm like, I know that it has to happen to set up her character. Yeah. This is this is completely Lucy's setup, but that's the only reason it's happening. And I'm like, <laughs> I really liked how Rachel Zegler did it though, because you give that scene to any actor, and I feel like it's hard to do well. Like, the yeah. scene itself, like, the premise, and I feel like she did She's an amazing singer, like, incredible, yeah. and I think, <clears throat> I don't think anyone else could have done Lucy Baird like she did. I agree. And that wasn't, like, a dig at Rachel. Uh, no. That's kind of like a... Just the scene. Yeah, it's, it's like the kind premise. of a writing thing that I yeah. have a little tiff with. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I think it's... I haven't read the books, which I will be changing. I'm going to go read it. Uh But from what I heard, the movie follows, uh, like, a lot of the book very accurately. Mm -hmm. Apparently, the book was very dense, so they kind of, like, hit the biggest marks. And that the most changes happened in The Hunger Games itself, where they just changed the orders of death or how they die. I saw that, too, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. And then my... Other non-spoiler thing. I feel like all of my non-spoiler things have been negative, and a lot of my spoiler things are going to be positive. That's just how it worked out. But I don't know. <laughs> don't. I'm not just purely being negative. I promise. Um, is that we were talking about how confused I was right before we started recording this mm-hmm. because I completely misunderstood the entire beginning of the movie. <laughs> um, 
There was a little, like, moment in the beginning where it's caption scene, cut to different scene, sort of. And this isn't the only moment that it kind of did this for me, but I feel like there was... It's a prequel, yes. Not only do I feel like because it was written after all of the other books and the movie was made after all of the other books that like it was obviously written with the ending in mind and I feel like you almost have to watch The Hunger Games before you watch Ballad of Songbirds and Stinks. In my opinion. I can I can see that. Mm -hmm. I feel like I sort of agree. Yeah. Like, not completely, because I still think you can watch it and just kind of, like, get that this is, like, supposed to be part of the Hunger Games, but it sets up the rest for you. But I do agree in the sense that it should have done more to set up the backstory. Yeah. Like, watching the Hunger Games, you know what happens with District 13, like, the all of it, mm -hmm. the rebellion. And I feel like in this one, it kind of glosses over yeah, that fact, it, it was like in one caption and you get one scene right at the beginning. So I felt like that was a little bit weak and it, it could have mm. done a lot more backstory. I do agree. I've seen The Hunger Games like a long time ago. And with this movie, I got there eventually. You're telling me it's not a comfort movie? You don't rewatch The Hunger Games all the time? Oh my bad. That is Fake fan. Pirates of the Caribbean for me. <laughs> um, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be Cars 1 and 2. No. <laughs> but I, like, I got there eventually. Yeah. But there was a couple moments where we were in part three of the movie, and I was like, oh. And click. Right. Okay, gotcha. Like, and I feel like if I didn't have the background of the movies from way back when, I pro maybe there were some things I would have had to connect later, mm -hmm. which I guess is fine. Reading the book would have helped me a little bit. Yeah. I think, I think you're right where, like, the book was so dense that maybe mm -hmm. there was just so much information. Yeah. We didn't have time to set up the story. Yeah, like, I think they they just took the most essentials and yeah. did it. Because I think there is a lot of backstory that they left out. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that what the movie missed was the whole internal dialogue, like, monologue of... Coriolanus. Yes, I was going to bring that up too. Which is why I really want to read the book because I want to know how deranged this man is because that's what everyone's saying. Yeah. Okay, should we spoil it up? Let's spoil it up. Okay, this is your warning. We're about to spoil the movie. Yes. So <laughs> pause, go watch it, and then come back. Welcome back. Oh my god, welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> this is our spoiler, full spoiler version. <laughs> Speaking of that internal dialogue, I saw a lot of people being like, they had me really going for Coriolanus, mm -hmm. but like, that inner dialogue is what you need. I think there was something about when she was singing um, Driven as the Fallen Snow. Mm -hmm. Is that what that song's called? Yes. Okay. Driven, pure as the driven snow. Pure as the <laughs> driven as the fallen snow. <laughs> I, you know what? It's rough out here. I've been up since 5 a.m., okay? <laughs> She's still sleeping. Here's the whatever, the snow song. You know what I'm talking snow! about. Snow! Yeah. That, that, one. that he said something about, like, like something in the book was his internal dialogue, like, dissing her, like, oh, she's singing again. Oh, really? Yeah, like, and you miss those moments, so you're like... Oh, she's singing for him, and yeah. oh, he's listening, and blah, blah, blah. You, but then on the inside in the book, he's like, 
this is uh, the I feel like the movie does a good job of showing his descent into becoming like his father and mm-hmm. becoming the president snow that we see but i think because you're missing that internal monologue you it humanizes him more and yeah. because he's sexy you want to believe that he's good like you want to see the good in him exactly. whereas the book does not leave room for you to like him yeah i think that's what we we're missing yeah and what i did there was a another thing about the internal dialogue is when she's singing um the ballad of Lucy Gray Baird when she's on the TV and he's in the hospital. Mm-hmm. In the book, he's actually there, like, close to the stage. He gives her the guitar. But apparently when she's singing it, he's jealous the entire time. Mm. Because she's singing about, like, somebody else. And, like, there's, like, this whole internal monologue that's going on. We had that moment ever so slightly after when he almost kisses her mm-hmm. and asks about the song. And she just says, oh, no, it's about this guy, blah, blah, blah. That you can see, like, the hint of jealousy, but it was a moment. That's all. Yeah. Like, it wasn't a whole conversation with himself. Yeah. There was more. It's like, in the movie, <clears throat> I I liked, at the beginning at least, I really liked the relationship between Corio and um, Tigress. Mm-hmm. Because it seemed like they cared about each other. They loved each other. They were worried for each other. Tigress did everything she wanted to protect him. Mm-hmm. In the book, his internal monologue was calling Tigress, like, ugly and, like insulting her. Yeah, that's totally not in it at all. Right? And you don't see any of those moments, and I feel like those are so important, but it's obviously super hard to translate internal monologue. Well, those moments with Tigress are only important if you're considering the later movies. Yes. Absolutely. Because... If you're not considering the later movies and who Tigress becomes, then you're. it doesn't matter how Coriolanus actually feels about Tigress. Yeah. There's a lot of characterization and, like, backstory to Tigress that was, like, missing hmm. from the movies. And I think that's, again, because the book was so dense that they had to pick and choose. Yeah. Like, the moments where that Tigress was, like, selling herself pretty much to make ends meet and to take care of everybody and then later on snow like almost take that and then he starts selling like the tribute Mm -hmm. you know just a lot of messed up things yeah i read there was like a whole couple deaths and a a whole funeral scene that was cut out yeah and that apparently it was brutal like where they were like displaying the corpses and stuff yeah i feel like the movie itself didn't shy away from violence at all like, no. like, the first movies that we know, I feel like it wasn't gory. Like, even though it was violent, mm-hmm. like, it would be, like, you would see them, like, about to kill someone, and then it cuts to, like, a reaction shot, and, like, you know? You know what, and I, I have, I have a, a strong feeling about this. Okay. Because I'm, like, the, the original Hunger Games came out in, like, 2013, mm. 2012, 2013, something like that, and I feel like Part of the reason that it's so good now still is because they didn't. Mm-hmm. Because you don't have to suffer through, like, old CGI. Not that 2013 was so long ago, but it's advanced actually so much in that time. And watching this version and, and the um, the Mockingjays and the snakes and the deaths. I mean, when the girl gets the bottle to the throat, mm-hmm. like all of that, and it, it's, they can do it so well now and make it look so real mm-hmm. that I feel like that's why they could push it further with this one. Yeah. Because it doesn't feel fake. Yeah. I'm kind of glad they didn't do it in the first one. Me too. <laughs> we don't have to suffer through old, like, 
not as good effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really, anytime there was the scenes with the snakes in it, I could not watch it because that was, <laughs> no, it is my literal, literal, the epitome of my biggest fear, like phobia and nightmare is to be covered by <laughs> No, and <laughs> that's what it was. Multiple people were covered. Like, <laughs> I love snakes. <laughs> I absolutely hated it. Like, there was a scene. Like, I was still watching through my fingers because I wanted to kind of see. Like, I didn't want to miss everything. So, anytime, like, I like I would look away and then I'd look. So I get like half of the bits right. Mm-hmm. I caught one scene that really scarred me, and it was when Reaper. Mm-hmm. I think that's his name. When, when he, he just sits there. And then he gets, like, completely yes. engulfed. Yeah, I hated that. I hated every second of it. I have nightmares about it. Only because I hate snakes. I loved it. I thought it was hilarious, to be to be honest, sitting next to you. Every time a snake came on screen, Amy would flinch. She'd be like... <laughs> put her hands up in front of her head. I was like, I mean, it's called this ballad of songbirds and snakes. I know. <laughs> it was even in the trailer, and I knew it was coming. I There were multiple scenes in the trailer with snakes, so I knew that we were going to see a lot of it. You know what? So. I, I thought you were going to be okay because they were, like, blue. Yeah, they were, like, <laughs> rainbow. And, like, yeah. there was, like, I will still see clips where they're on the ground and it looks, it doesn't look like real snakes. Mm. Like, it looks CGI and I agree. But it's it's not even the snake, it's the slithering that grosses me out. <laughs> so it doesn't really help. Like, it's it's the fact that you see them going like this and that's what I hate about it. <laughs> you know, so it, it doesn't have to be snakes. It can be snails and slugs, and I would still be grossed out that because they're slithering. Yeah, if you have a fear of songbirds and or snakes, don't watch this <laughs> don't, movie. Don't watch this movie. <laughs> the entire time I'm like holding my neck because, because every time I see snakes, I feel like they're on me. Like I specifically feel like it's like around my neck. So whenever I do it, I. You'll, you'll watch the tapes and you'll be like, she has her hand right here. <laughs> She's choking herself, like, out of fear. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about this because, you know that moment where, what's her name? Coral? Coral. How did you know who I was talking about? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just know. Yes, Coral. Um, when... <laughs> Coral is the one that, like, forms that group during the games. Yes, the pack. And is kind of going after everybody, like, in that group, and eventually is going after the With the, the trident. Right. Yes. Um, and when the snakes come down out of the tube and are getting everybody, and then Coral is the last one, and she said something, and both of us turned to each other, and we went, what did she just say? I don't know. Did you ever find out what she said? I think she said, it's not fair. And then after that, she said something else. And that's when we were both like, what? what She said, I can't have killed them for nothing. Oh. That's sad. Isn't that sad? I I almost wish that they just made it more clear because that's such a good line. Yeah. It's such a good line. Her, like, she's, she's gonna die. She's about to die. Like, the snakes are all over her. She's killed most of the people in the arena. And she's not sympathizing for I feel she's like half sympathizing for herself but she's half sympathizing for everyone else like when she was this like image of terror the whole Hunger Games like Mm -hmm. she was like the worst one there she was just like angry was killing her own teammates like Mm -hmm. all of the stuff and then at the end she goes I can't have killed them for For nothing." nothing yeah 
That breaks your heart. Yeah. Sorry, I started laughing when you said Coral. <laughs> What's her name? It's Coral. Oh, oh. <laughs> I started laughing because I saw a take on TikTok where somebody... <laughs> what? <laughs> Someone said, why is that Starbucks barista? Oh, my God. Obsessed with Lucy Grape. Because Coral looked so modern with like her, she did with the piercings with the little like the baby bangs is yeah, what yeah. did it. It's like a pixie cut with baby bangs. Yeah, <laughs> and like her outfit itself. And someone said, "Why is that Starbucks barista obsessed with Lucy Griffin?" <laughs> that one really got me. So it is really sad, like the whole arc of Coral, but. Now I just have Starbucks Barista in my head and I think it's funny. Anyways. I have something to say, but it's about the end of the movie. But we can... we can. Who said we have to go in order? Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Do you think that when Snow shot at Lucy Gray in the oh, end... We really jumped to the end. I'm telling you end, girl. Like, okay, I, okay. I meant it. I meant it. Okay, okay. When, when Snow shoots at Lucy Gray in the end... Was that actually Lucy Gray? Or was it not Lucy Gray? I've been thinking about this. Because Mm -hmm. some people say she was a hallucination, he was losing it, and, you know, he's been bit by a snake, all of that. And someone said she's in her arena outfit that wasn't Lucy Gray. Mm -hmm. And I went and looked at the clip. She's wearing the dress that she was right before. In the cabin? In the cabin. But I don't... See, the thing is, he does find earrings. Yeah. But I don't know. Do you think it was real? I'm also a little torn. I'm leaning more towards I don't think it was real. Mm. I kind of wish it was real. Yeah. Because then I think it would really show... There would be nothing holding her back. Like, not that... Like, she had already made... The decision to leave him when they got to that cabin. Like, you could see it in the way she says everything. Mm-hmm. But I think it's so different. Like, it really, you really know who that person is when they like shoot at you. Yeah. And not only that, when the birds, the mocking jays started singing, I, I kind of was like, maybe she's close enough. Like, she's in the area, she knows everything that's happening. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't, I really don't know. I keep going back and forth. Yeah. Because I think if it wasn't real, it really just shows how deranged he is and that he's lost it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I, I like almost kind of want it to be real because then I would think that she is fully just fucking with him. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I love. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You go, girl. But it was so fast and also... He shoots the gun, you hear her scream, mm-hmm. and then she's completely gone. gone. So did she just scream because the gun went off? And the Maybe. tracks were there, right? He followed the tracks up until they disappeared. Mm-hmm. So... But I'm like, where did she go? How did she just... Poof? It was just so quick. That's, it was. I think that's what makes me think that it wasn't real because I'm like... Nothing in this, nothing in the Hunger Games has ever been, like, fantastical. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. even with the, the Mockingjays. Mm-hmm. What are they called? Mockingjays? What's the, what's the other name for it, though? Jabberjay? Jabberjays. 
Even with them, they're like, two different ones. Are they? Jabber Jays are one thing, and then Mocking Jays are one. Jabber Jays are the one with like the the recording, right? You can. I think that's the Mocking Jay. I thought the whole point of the Mocking Jay was that like they were copying, like they were m- m- mocking. I think the Mocking Jay actually just mocks, and I think the Jabber Jay is like Records. you can record a whole thing. Okay, I maybe search this up. So those were Jabber Jays. The recording one. Yes. Okay. So you were right. So even the even the Jabber Jays, it's like technological. Mm-hmm. Like it's a it's a thing that they turn that like presses record like a camera. Yeah. Or like a microphone. Like it wasn't fantastical, it was just tech. Yeah. It's not magic. No. So her like disappearing. Poofing off into the distance makes me think he's just hallucinating because when has the Hunger Games ever been like, and she disappeared? Mm-hmm. Like, you know. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. Do you think she tried to kill him with the snake under the scarf? I don't think she tried to kill him. I think she tried to. I, I think that was. I think that was just a fuck you. I think yeah. that was just a like. Like we're done. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it was like. I mean, it was a tiny little snake. It was. And he, she knew, okay, he's going to go pick up the scarf because it was a scarf that he, he gave to her. So I think that was just her being like, yeah. We're done. Yeah. Bye. I don't think he was trying to kill her. I really liked his acting in that scene because the scene in the cabin, like, I think the acting was just so good in this movie. I loved it. But the scene when she's like, oh, like, all your loose ends except me. And mm-hmm. then he was like, you're not going to tell, right? And then she hesitates before she says, of course not, or mm-hmm. whatever. And I think that's the first... I think that's what started making him paranoid as well. Because mm-hmm. there was a little part of me that I don't think he even thought of herself, thought of her as a threat mm-hmm. until she did that. You know? Yeah, I think it started for him when he opened up that thing and saw the guns. Yeah. I don't I, think he was expecting to see that at all. No. Um, and I really like that at that point we had already know that like Corio was becoming Coriolanus, you know, mm-hmm. and becoming like his father. And I like that before in the movie, she was like, it's too early for Katniss. And then as she was leaving, she said, I'm going to go dig up Katniss. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, she's setting it up so well. And then she leaves, and in that, that little exchange where he's like, you're not going to tell on me, there's just, like, a glazed look in his eyes yeah. that I was like, oh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. He acting. He was very good. And also, I don't know his name, I'm so sorry, the actor who played Sejanus. His real name? Yeah. Do you know his real name? Because I know... Josh Riveras? Riveras? Okay, well, Josh... <laughs> Um, also, I, I think they were both very good in their, like, um, like, big displays of emotion mm-hmm. without being like, oh, what was me? Sappy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when Sejanus has the moment where he sees Marcus yes. on the thing and he throws the chair and he says something like, "All of you're all awful or something. I don't know. I can't remember what he said. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh. it was good. I loved it. Yeah. It felt real. I, felt, I was like, yes. Yeah. Throw that chair. It is Josh <laughs> Rivera. Rivera? Oh, yeah. Rivera. Um, I, along with that, the scene when Corio is mourning Sejanus' death. 
mm-hmm. after he killed him. That whole <laughs> scene was so good. It was so good. Like we were talking about this in the in, car. In the car on the way back from the movie. Yeah. Like <laughs> there's a lot of times where actors have that like big moment where they're crying and then they say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. It just felt so real and I felt I felt his grief and yeah. I felt his regret and guilt, all of it. It was all in his eyes, in his face, in the way he says everything, and it, I think it translated so well. I, I just think there are such good actors. Yeah, like, a lot of the times you'll have people who are like, I'm crying in this scene, and now I need to say this I'm word, fine. and then I'm going to go back to crying. And you're you're like, that didn't feel like you would actually... Like, this is somebody who is sitting there, like, grieving their friend alone in a room, and you are saying something out loud mm-hmm. when you're alone. Like, you have to have a very good purpose behind why you're saying something out loud in a room alone. Mm. And I feel like if you can't, sub, like, master that, it's... It takes you out. Yes. Because then, instead of being, like, this is a person who's grieving, it becomes this is an actor who is grieving in a scene delivering a line. Right. Exactly. And he was just a person that was... Grieving. Yeah, he did it for me. I was like, yeah. I, I believe that you would say I'm sorry in, in this, this room alone. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it, it all made sense. Yeah. This was one of those movies where I left and I was like, God, I, I love what I do and I want to do that. <laughs> like, I want to do what they just did and I want to do all of that because, I don't know, it just, mm. it was just so good. And that's why I give it a high rating and I really like the movie because not only was it well made, I feel like the cast was just, the cast was casting. you know on the lines of did that really happen there was a scene when i'm taking it back to the middle Uh we're jumping all over the place so please keep up hope you're paying attention (laughs) (laughs) this is in the second act right before the hunger games started Mm -hmm. when they're in the cage oh my god there's a whole thing i want to talk about that okay (laughs) when they're in the cage like um, the zoo the zoo. Yeah, okay. Lucy was in the zoo, Corio was outside of it, and then they're talking and she goes to kiss him, right? Mm. It was either right before or right after that, he goes, is this real? Mm-hmm. He asks her if it's real, and she she responds, but you know what that reminded me of? I wrote a note. That reminded me of in the Hunger Games that we know with Peta and Katniss, after he's been brainwashed by the Capitals, he has to ask Katniss every time if something is real or not. Mm-hmm. And then there are so many moments where he's like, there's one in particular where they're in bed and he goes, you love me, real or not. And then she goes, real. And that's what it reminded me of. And I was like, this is a little callback because I'm going to cry. There were so many. So many. So many that I couldn't even think of all of them. Like There's one where in the in the Hunger Games itself, Cor- this is when he goes to get Sojanus, mm-hmm. and there was like a bow and arrow, and no one I had noticed picked it that. Up no because, one had picked it up. Yeah, because yes. it's too early for Katniss. It's too early for Katniss. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have another thought about the Hunger Games itself. I would argue that the tenth Hunger Game is the most brutal out of all of the games. Even though all the ones that we have seen, they they have their own elements of like brutality and there's a lot more advancements with like the mutts and then like the arena and everything. But this one felt the most dehumanizing. Mm-hmm. Is that the word? Well, cause it's like, like just a concrete bowl. Like it was just like 
a sporting arena. Mm-hmm. And not only that, like in the later games, like the tributes get like these penthouses, kind of like the last meal type of things. Yeah. They get all these luxuries and everything to soak them in. And not only that, they get stylists and then they get interviews where yeah. they really get to, they get shown as people yeah. to root for. And in the 10th Hunger Games, they were literally in a zoo. Yes. Also, I think the capital and the peacekeepers were much rougher towards the kids, like, even just getting off the train. Yeah. Like, in the later Hunger Games, they would, you know, step off the train and walk with the peacekeepers. Like, in the 10th Hunger Games, they were pushing them off the train and, like, dragging them by their hair. Like, (laughs) yeah. I feel like in the later Hunger Games, the tributes are treated as, like... Like, it's turned into, like, a spectacle that the tributes are, even though they are from the districts, even though they are punishment by the capital, they have, like, a status that these tributes just didn't. They go in the clothes that they're reaped. And not only that, Corio's grandma was like, they're animals, like, Mm -hmm. they're whatever. And they're treated exactly like it. They're kept in a zoo where people are encouraged to come and feed them. Yeah. Maybe it's because they're... In the 10th Hunger Games, the capital has no viewers. They're not making any money. No. They're not blah, 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 whatever. So these people are literally... It is It is this punishment. Like, mm-hmm. it, that's how it started as this punishment. It wasn't something that they could capitalize on until Snow brought it up. Like, yeah. this is how you do it. Proposal. But then skip to, you know, Katniss, whatever. Like, then you have these these people have become, like, entities of profit. Like, Mm -hmm. so you have to protect them. You have to dress them up nice. You have Mm -hmm. to treat them kind of well. You have to, whatever, shuttle them around because they're worth money to you now. Yeah. But back then, it was quite literally just, like, kill each other. Yeah, they weren't worth anything, so it didn't matter. Yeah. But the, the death of that girl, I think her name was Arachne, when she got... Oh, the... Yep. Yeah. That one was, I mean, that was the first point in the movie where I was, like, shocked. Oh, for the people not watching, this the girl that got the bottle to the throat. Yes. <laughs> we just went, oh. <laughs> um, Arachne is the girl who was trying, who was, like, taunting her tribute, and then her tribute grabs the bottle, breaks it, stabs her in the neck with it. This mm-hmm. is her. That death was, like, shocking to me because- I loved it. Right? It was so satisfying because she was a bitch. <laughs> what a weird thing to say. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but, like, it was like, it was like she deserved it. Well, not only was she, a like, a terrible person the entire time, mm-hmm. she was taunting this person. With gets, food. With food. Gets the death. And I was like, yeah, that's well-deserved. But I wasn't expecting like people said going into it it's a lot more gory than the original movies and not even that I would say this was gory but I just we've never been shown deaths like that in the Hunger Games before yeah so it was a moment of like oh oh that's what yeah that's what I think it was like going back to the CGI thing I don't think it was more gory at all yeah it was the same amount of violence it was the same amount of like it wasn't like this Hunger Games had like blood and guts spilling everywhere like Mm -mm. it didn't no but we you would see someone, like, before, maybe in a movie, you'd see someone, like, fall out of a tree in the Hunger Games, and it was like, okay, they fell out of a tree. But now they have the technology to, like, okay, they fall off that arch, and you see their ankles go and fall in, and it's a little more graphic. Yeah. But not 
gory per se, but like with that, like they can make it look like that is actually in her throat. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like in 2013, it wasn't that level yet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's much more visually like uncomfortable and shocking to watch. Like someone's ankles actually like cave in under them. That's hard to watch. Like, <laughs> I, I see a lot of people being like, oh, like leaving the Ballad of Songbird and Snake. It made me want to watch more Hunger Games. And there's a lot of fans that have been like, I want the games, the Haymitch games. I don't think we'll ever get those. No, I don't think so. I, no. And I don't think we should because I agree. I want so much more of this world just because Suzanne Collin is such an amazing author and uh -huh. she's able to create these, but she only, everything that she's put out is like a critique or like a commentary on something. Mm -hmm. At some point, it would just be tired. Like, yeah. if and, you're just doing it to do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the whole point of like the Hunger Games was like, she was criticizing the Hunger Games themselves. Like, mm -hmm. she, it's not about the blood and the gore. It's, like, actually criticizing it. So to ask that author of more is, like, you're missing the point. <laughs> She's not going to give it to you. Do you think Lucy Graybeard and Katniss are related? Yes, but not directly. Yeah. I think Katniss is Covey. I agree. Even if, like, Covey itself doesn't exist anymore... Because they set up so many parallels yeah. that you were like, okay, well, obviously, they're both in District 12. They're both, you know, like, all of these things. Mm -hmm. And because Lucy Gray is the one who, like, came up with the name Katniss, she passed that name along, yeah. down, and um, it went through her family. Along with her songs. Yes. And that's why I don't, I agree. I don't want Lucy Gray and Katniss to be related at all because I want Lucy Gray to have made it out living by herself in the mountainsides, mm -hmm. like singing her tunes. Like I want this woman to be free of everything and just be where she wants to be. Yeah. But I do like that the idea of Katniss being a descendant of the Coveys. Yeah. Because that's the only way it also makes sense for Katniss to know all these songs anyways. Exactly. But I also, I love that the song Lucy Gray wrote for Snow about him with the hanging tree becomes the song the for the revolution. revolution. Yeah. I love that. Do you think Lucy Gray ever loved Coriolanus? Do you think she was using him the whole time? Like, do you think she had kind of like mischievous motives? I think she had... I don't know if it's feelings, mm -hmm. but, like, maybe, like, a fondness or, like, a soft spot. I don't know. I feel like she did maybe love him. Yeah. But she knew that she needed to, like, use him in some way to survive and win the games to make it out. And I think, I think both can be true to you, somebody, but also have some sort of attachment to mm -hmm. them. And I think... That's what happened. I think what they had between them was real to an extent. I just think their own motives and what they wanted in the end was a lot stronger. You know? Because she always wanted her freedom and he always wanted to be in the good graces of the capital. Yeah. I agree. I think her moment of, like, when it fell apart was when... I think there was three significant moments of of their relationship breaking. Yes. I think it was when she was singing the snow song. 
pure and she walked away yes because she wrote that song for him it is her love song for him and then this is a question actually before i continue on because there may be four points Mm -hmm. but was she there when sejanus was hanged yes yes wait wait wait. so what are the four the song and him walking away Shooting the mayor's daughter. Shooting the mayor's daughter. The tape happening and her hearing it. Yes. And then him lying about it. Him lying about it. See, I feel like there was another scene that made her hesitant. Okay. This was after he had already shot the mayor's daughter. This was before the hanging happened. They have a little scene where she's like, I'm going to leave. I'm going up north. Mm -hmm. And then he tells her that he's been posted somewhere else. He's going to District 2. And then she goes, you were always going to leave. I think that also contributed because that's when, for the first time, she was like, oh shit, he's not actually with me. Yeah. Even after everything, it's like, he's still trying to get back to the capital. I think there were just a lot of things that clicked for her. Yeah. And that all started that night after she wrote the love song for him. Mm -hmm. Apparently, in the books... Um, the first time she sees him as a peacekeeper, she's on stage, she's singing, and she says, this just turned into the best night of my life Mm. after she notices him. So that's why I also think that fondness between them was real. And I think if he was a good person, it could have, it really could have grown, but he's not. Yeah. I don't think she had the intention of doing what she did in the end of the whole time. No. I don't know if it was a, like a last minute decision, but it very well could have been like... I think so. Yeah. I think what happened with Sejanus was too much because she said trust is very important to me. And he literally sent his best friend to his death. Like you can't trust somebody like that. And then after that, he didn't even own up to it. He lied to her about it. Yeah. Part of me is like, did she put the guns there, though? Right? The way she was delivering all of her lines had a layer of, like, I know something, and I'm holding it back. Yeah. And I'm gonna get away. So everything's fine. So that makes me think, okay, it wasn't a last-minute decision if she was the one that planted those guns. I thought originally I was, like, maybe the Coveys, or maybe she was... Not necessarily a part of the rebellion, but just, like, helping them out. Mm-hmm. Like, I just feel like the Cubbies are, like, nice people, you know? Yeah. And I didn't, I, I, like, didn't know who would put the guns there, but I feel like she definitely knew the guns were there, even if she didn't put it there herself. Right, or she, like, told him, like, hey, I have this cabin in the woods. Mm-hmm. Go put the guns there. Yeah. You can hide them there. Yeah. It was obviously her intention for him to find them. She didn't have to do the part with the guns, Mm -hmm. showing him the guns, but if him finding it and then her watching him have that moment of, like, if I get rid of this gun, I'm free. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it could, like, it could be, like, kind of a closure, like, cement it for her Mm -hmm. that, like, you are seeing him actively, like, betraying you in real time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think it also is as much for Lucy Gray as it is for the audience to be, like, this is what he's still going to choose. Yeah. It's just really spelling it out for you that this man is vile. Mm-hmm. I was, I think it was a great scene. And mm-hmm. it, going into the part with the Mockingjays and him shooting and the... I, I loved it. Me too. And the them singing and then it kind of dwindling down into one voice. Mm-hmm. So good. Chef's kiss. Okay. I am seeing this because of, like, a lot of the takes 
online and I don't know if I heard it. Right as Sejanus is about to die, right before he's hanged, apparently he screams out, Ma, this man is pure evil. Was that in the movie or was that in the books? I don't think he said that in the movie. Okay, and then also, after he's hung, the Jabberjays all fly up and then they all start saying something. He said mom. He said that ma? ma, like, help me or something. He didn't say this man is pure evil. Like, I know that for a fact. Okay. But he did say something about his mom. And then the Jabberjays are saying ma, ma, yeah. ma, ma, ma. Okay. Okay. Apparently, it was the man is pure evil. evil. So if... Lucy Gray was in the audience, and he had said that right as he died, then she could have just... Yeah. You can't be that dumb. Well, no. <laughs> also, I think, um, cannot remember his name, but Peter Dinklage's character. Casca Highbottom. Casca Highbottom? <laughs> sorry. What? Sorry, sorry, sorry. What? I just remembered. I think there's another scene that put doubt in Lucy Gray's mind. Oh, okay, give it to me. This is when she's talking to Highbottom, and he goes, I'm glad you escaped snow. Right, yes. Okay, this kind of goes along with what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Highbottom was so convinced that, like, okay, to be fair, we're dealing with, like, a 16, 17-year-old, maybe-ish, right? 17, 18? Something like that. Older teenager, like, um, who is trying to, like get into college. It's a weird world, but that's what we're dealing with here, mm-hmm. right? Like, this He's is... trying to get into university. Yeah, this is like a boy in his formative teenage years. And you have this professor who is, like, actively vying against him, yeah. is saying, you're gonna end up just like your father. I'm not gonna give you... Like, I'm in charge of this. Who gets this prize? And you're not getting it because there's no way you're getting past me mm-hmm. when... At this point, Snow has done absolutely nothing wrong. Sitting in the classroom. like he hated him. He hated him. I mean, the reason that Snow wrote that letter to Gull, the reason that he brought up all the things about the Hunger Games and how to make it better was because Highbottom was like, yeah, you you're can't do this. this person. Yeah, you're going to grow up and you're going to just be a peacekeeper. You're going to be like a... a yeah. Whatever. Like, and it pushed him. It pushed him it into... Further. I yeah. think... Honestly, when he kills Highbottom at the end, I'm like, damn, is this the only justified death? Like, I oh, I almost feel like that was him, like, kind of being like, this was your fault. Like, yeah. you pushed me into yeah. starting this whole thing with the mentors in the Hunger Games. You pushed me into, like, Lucy losing trust in me. Yeah. You pushed all of this to start. Like, Highbottom really was behind a lot of... The downfall. The downfall of Coriolanus Snow. He came up with the Hunger Games as a, as a drunken idea, and then Snow's father took it, presented it as his own idea, and it actually became a thing. Mm-hmm. And then he profited off it, and then he died. Right. And then Highbottom is left, and he feels like all this blood is on his hands. Mm-hmm. And so not only is he constantly on Morphling, he's also just like... Like, he's just a walking guilt, and he's trying to get rid of these games. He hates Snow's father for what he did, but everything, all the hate in him just made young Snow exactly what he was afraid of. Exactly. Like, he's like, I want to end the games. Yeah. But then he did the... He challenges Snow. Yeah. 
Therefore, Snow comes up with this grand idea that Gaul loves, mm -hmm. which then, like, propels the games into... What they are now. What they are now. And it's like, you you, you did that. <laughs> you that did was that. your fault. Because yeah. if you had never challenged Snow and, you know, were pushing on him and pushing on him, he wouldn't have stood up in class and been like, this, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I think he was... I think Snow is smart, but I think he could have been good, you know? Yeah. I Okay, well, I haven't read the book, so I don't know his internal monologue, but from <laughs> the, based on the movies, I feel like that definitely, like, propelled him into what he is now. If growing up you had all of these people, including your, your cousin, cousin. Yeah. and including your professor and all of this, telling you, like, don't end up like your dad, like, you yeah. have shit genetics, like, careful! Yeah. You're gonna be so much more desperate to prove that you belong in this exactly. world. And him doing that was just through the games. Yeah. I think Snow becomes a bad person. Yeah. And I want to say he's not a bad person. No, he because is. He's absolutely vile. Yeah, like, when we get to the to the point of, like, years later, like, Katniss and all of that, <laughs> that's just a bad man. Like, you know? But if we're talking about what? <laughs> I just remember this one quote. I think it's in, like, the later Hunger Games. I think it's Catching Fire or something. There's a scene where Peta and Katniss are, like, holding hands, and he goes, Oh, they're holding hands. I want them dead. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like he's a, at that point, he's a terrible, terrible person. Yeah. But I feel like if we're talking about teenage Snow and like even before that, which we don't see, I think he was a cre. It wasn't genetics. It wasn't like oh, you were predisposed to be a terrible person. You're gonna end up like your father. I think he was created nature versus nurture. He was nurtured into who he became. Yeah, and I think it's partly Tigress's fault. I think it's partly the professor's fault. I think it's partly. Lucy Gray's fault. Yeah. I think it's partly <laughs> the Hunger Games' fault. There's there's a review. Um, I, fr I don't know if I saved it, but it was on Letterboxd, and someone was like, it was also Janus's fault. Oh, no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have... Oh, I forgot one. It says, this is by Issy. She said, mm. snow can fall right on top of me. <laughs> <laughs> But oh. there was one that was like, this was also Janus's fault. And I was like, you know what? It was. <laughs> because he's the one that first, like, spoke out in the classroom. He's the one that went into the games. Yeah. And then he's the one that was like, I'm removing myself from the capital so I can do real good. And then he's the one that started going to the joined the rebellion. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's actively trying to bring Snow in, fully knowing that the only thing Snow wants is to get back to the capital. He handed him all the opportunities he could have. Right. Like, if I knew that my closest friend, everything that they ever want is to be in the capital, to go to this university, I'm not going to be like, hey, you know what I'm doing on the side? Right. I'm in the rebellion. I'm in the rebellion. I'm going against everything you want. Like, I'm not... What's your place in time? I'm sorry. Why was also Sejanus just so... Like, did he use his brain ever? Because how are you going to be a peacekeeper and a rebellion on the... In the rebellion on the side and not think that they're going to find out? Right? And not only that, he had this, like, such an idealistic version of what it is to be in the rebellion, what mm -hmm. they were going to do. Like, he really just did not think death was going to happen. He didn't right. account for any of it. And, like, the scene when Snow shoots the mayor's daughter, yes. and then he's, like, freaking out. I was like, what did you think was going to well, happen? Right, and the, when Snow walks in and sees the guns, and Sejanus is like, I didn't know about guns. 
It's a rebellion. Do you think they're just going to protest? <laughs> you think that's what's going to happen? Right, like, considering the circumstances, don't you think they're going to need firearm to fight back the Capitol? The Capitol who, like, has no problem hanging people. Who public hangings and are also taking their children and putting them in the Hunger Games. He's like, we don't need guns, guys. We can just do a peaceful <laughs> protest. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. that... He had this privilege that he was obviously trying to not even deny, but he was, like, not taking into account, you know? And he wanted to make change, and he wanted to make it happen, but he just, he was just out of touch with reality. I feel like it's a very, like, rich kid, social justice. He's just a dumbass. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You can say it. He's just a dumbass. (laughs) Dumb. Thing to say might be a little controversial. I, if I ever have a career one day, I'm going to get, I'm going to get bullied for saying this. I didn't believe her Southern accent. Really? Yeah. I liked it, but I'm also bad at accents, so. I'm not saying, I am not saying that I can do a better Southern accent. Let's just put that out there. In no way. It's it's like Appalachian, right? Yeah, that's where they're technically yeah supposed to be. I I don't know. Isn't there like different dialects? There's so many different Southern accents. She do be dating a Southern boy. A Southern boy with like barely an accent, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to give you some oh some credentials. Yeah, I was trying to give you. Um, I'm a Canadian who's been to the South, so at least there's that. Um, no, but like, (laughs) I don't know what. Maybe it's like. Here's the thing. You know, sometimes like British actors, you'll like watch a whole show with them, and then you'll find out they're British later, and you're like, I had. No idea because their American accent is so down to like the it's just yeah. perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. It didn't feel perfect. It felt put on. That's fair. I mean, I didn't really her accent really didn't bother me at all. Mm. I was just like whatever. But it, I think it also could be that you knew Rachel Zegler as that's possible. Just American. Like you like we've known her for a long time as theater kids mm-hmm. who would just see her singing and be like, this girl mm-hmm. is just so good. Like even before her Wet Side Story days, like yeah. we've been following her. So I think you're just familiar with her. And it is weird. Like it's weird when you see like especially when you have like actor friends and like you see them in something or like mm-hmm. they do you, you, they put on an accent and you're like what? <laughs> It could be one of those where you're just like, yeah. you're like, I know this is you acting. Yes. It might have been. Yeah, it very well might have been. Yeah. I, I yeah, it, it threw me a little bit. Of, it was only a couple times. Like, and I, I don't even have a specific example. It was like, there was a couple sentences that she said and I was like, that's fair. That's not how you talk. Like, you know, I just, I don't know. It, not necessarily that it was even bad. It was just, didn't feel real Mm -hmm. to me and I was like I just wanted to feel like this is actually your accent and it just didn't feel that way so I'm seeing people are gonna cancel me they're gonna be like show me your southern accent I can't do one (laughs) okay I'm not saying I can I'm just saying um you know what I was thinking about like this is kind of changing the subject but the coveys like don't 
they don't really know what's going on in the capital, mm-hmm. right? So as far as their concern is that like Snow probably made it out with Lucy Gray, right? If Lucy Gray made it out, it's not like she's going to come back and be like, hey guys, I made it out, you know? Right. <laughs> to, in their minds, it's probably just like, oh, they're gone. Like, yeah. they've made it out. And I was thinking about how like when he finally rises to power... Like, you don't know what's going on in the capital as somebody who is in the district. Like, I wonder what it is when Covey's and Lucy Gray finally sees him on TV again and he's President Snow. Yeah. That moment, I was like, I wonder. And not only that, um, Snow, after killing Sir Janus Plinth, takes his place you know, yeah. and, like, starts living with the plants. Like, and, very and become, Dear Evan Hansen of him. Yeah, and gets, <laughs> and gets all the wealth. He is the heir to the Plinth yeah. Empire, and he only came into all of that after killing him. And that's, yeah. like, I feel like that's a detail that people can forget easily, but that's what he did. He killed his friend and then took his and there's yeah. no way, there's just, there's just no justifying that there's good in him after that. No, yeah, like, going to your best friend's parents, who you, you murdered, like, that best friend, mm-hmm. and taking their money and being like, hey, I'm so sorry about your kid. Yeah, and to his, to Sir Janus's parents, he saved their son because mm-hmm. of what he did in the games. You know, they don't know about all of this. Yeah. I, Jags, you know what's really cool? <laughs> Suzanne Collins wrote Gaul, right? Uh-huh. And she was the villain, the evil in the Ballad of Songbird and Snake. But not only that, she is grooming the next villain in the Hunger Games because he becomes her apprentice. Like, she just took two villains and just connected them directly. She was like, one villain created the other villain. Not even created, she was like, she groomed the other villain. Like, And Highbottom helped yeah. indirectly, and also he didn't know. Yeah. And the thing is, Highbottom was really just trying to end the games, and he did the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. I really like that this movie is redeeming Rachel Zegler. Me too. Yeah, because there was the whole thing with Snow White and people hating her. (laughs) You know? Um, But I feel like she... And also, I feel like she's just had bad luck with the movies that she's been in. Yeah. Like... She was in Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, which it would have been. <laughs> which would have been. I've, I've never even seen it. Like, I, yeah, don't even take my word for it. Yeah, which would have been an incredible opportunity, working with a legend, being in one of her dream roles, doing all of this. But then, like the whole Ansel Elgort thing, you know, that gave that. I will confidently give that a thumbs up. Yeah. So people, <laughs> like, no one even promoted that movie, and it just kind of like went away, and that mm-hmm. was her screen debut right and then she was in shazam which didn't even know she was yeah she was like a superhero i haven't seen it but i've just seen clips anyways that one also didn't get good reception Mm -hmm. and then 
Um, after that, Snow, Snow White. White, and then that's where <laughs> everything went to shits for her. So I was like, this girl is so good. Like, she can sing like no one else. She can act. She's just like a theater girl making it on the big screen. And I was like, I just want her to have her moment. She's gonna, she, I think, will have a Leah Michelle arc of like, She's hard to work with, but like, damn, that girl can sing. Like, I, I hope not. <laughs> no, well, okay, but you, I like her. I think her. What I'm saying, like, not. I'm not even saying that. Like, she is hard to work with. That's yeah, what, I'm saying I think her talent will redeem her. I think yes, no because what. she is purely just talented. Like, if if she were, you know, saying all these things and having all these interviews and whatever, and then she turned around and she was also kind of bad at what she did. Like, she would have no chance. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's talent. Sometimes it's attitude. Like, you know, your teachers in theater school will tell you, like, you need to remember every person you meet's name. Like, when you walk into an audition room, you need to be, like, greeting this way. And you need to be blah, blah, blah. And making this impression that, like, I'm easy to work with and I'm friendly and you want me on your set, right? Like, that is a portion of it. Mm-hmm. And that can drive some people's careers. Like, yes. that fully can drive some people's careers. If mm-hmm. you are a person that people want around on a movie set... You're just pleasant to be around. Right. Like, if you can get yourself in the door and have them realize, like, we want this person, you know, you might get the job. Yeah. Because of that. Sometimes, it's purely talent. Yeah. And you know what? If she's going to drive her career on purely pure talent, talent she and can maybe do it. she just needs to stop doing interviews. But the thing is, she has been so good with interviews for Ballad of Songbird and Snake. She did one, though. It was like a radio interview. Oh, my God. What was it? I was like, girl, no. She, I think she just needs to... I, I, you know what? I think she just doesn't have a filter. And I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. What unless, did she say? Oh, I can't... Oh, what was it? Oh, she said, she like sat down, started the interview. She said, um, hi, my name is Rachel Zegler and don't ask me if Katniss is in this movie. And then kind of like, went, oh, I saw that. Went off about how it's like annoying that people keep asking her about it. I saw and people that. are like, if you keep like starting a conversation with a complaint, like that is what people are annoyed about, right? Oh, see, I didn't. I thought it was that was fine. Because I just oh. saw so many about Snow White where she was complaining that I was just like... Mm. I think that one is like, if it was on its own, it'd be okay. But adding the fuel to the fire of her, like, putting her name, like, hi, my name is, and complaint. Mm. You know? I saw that. And I remember she was like, don't, she was like, don't ask me if Katniss is in this because she's not. For me, I was like, justified. Like, I, to me, it was like... This is two completely... Like, yes, it's in the same universe, but this is, like, a whole prequel, so Katniss wasn't even alive during this. Yeah. So I get why people would be like, if is Katniss in this? I would be like, no. It's just the way she's, like, kind of, mm. like, shutting off before the interview even started. Like, That's fair. you know what I mean? I don't want it to sound like I'm ragging on Rachel Ziegler because that's not what I'm trying to do. I think if she's the kind of person who, like, doesn't really have a filter, speaks her mind, is very, very to the point, and sometimes, like, might be a little bit of a negative Nelly. That's okay. Like, I'm not saying anything <laughs> bad about her character at yeah. all. What I, what I do think is that if you're somebody who's in the public eye, 
you, no matter your intentions, if you come across a certain way, people are going to make assumptions. If you are, if you are saying negative things in all of your interviews, you're going to come across as somebody who is negative and complains. Yeah. And if like, and that sucks, you know, like it's not, people are going to take you however they take you. Yeah. But if it's, if it is like depending, if your career could be like make or break because of this, Mm -hmm. maybe you need to Bank on your talent, which you have a lot of, and just stop doing interviews. Stop doing radio shows. Stop doing podcasts. (laughs) Like, I'm serious. If it's like, if you, if those aren't your intentions, but you were coming across that way, and people aren't seeming to like the way you, like, put yourself out there, if you want to, like, save that career, I think, I think she needs to go in on herself a little bit. I think, okay. I see what you're saying. And I agree because I feel like this industry is like, it is very like public eye and it has a lot to do with like your reputation, right? Your reputation precedes you, you know? Yeah. And that's just how it is. And especially not not saying every project is like that, but some projects look at popularity Mm -hmm. and if you aren't, then it could really affect you. And I agree. And I think also this has to do with sort of like just being a woman. I feel like anytime any man is just like unknowledgeable about their roles or are saying anything like flippant or whatever, they're seen as just like, oh, this is just like, he's just confident. He's just whatever. But when it comes to like young talent in the industry, especially if they're women, I feel like they get scrutinized a lot. And I feel like that's also what's happening because we saw that happen with Olivia Rodrigo and we see it with Rachel Zegler, and I just, and we saw it with Billie Eilish, and, like, there's just not an equivalence to any, like, male actors or singers that are around that age or in their mid-twenties that is getting the same kind of reception as women, and I think, I just think that there is still something about, like, very confident, outspoken women that come across a certain way to certain people in the public. And I don't I don't even think that's not to be like, you're a misogynist, you're doing this and that. I just think a lot of people have a lot of like like biases that they're not even aware of. I agree that like women do tend to be kind of put like they would have the spotlight more on them, like, what they're wearing to award shows. Like, you know, they they get nitpicked a lot more. Yeah. I do think she is giving fuel to their fire, though. I, yeah. Like, I don't think, I, I genuinely don't think this is a case of, like, people misunderstanding what is being put out there. No, no. Because especially with a lot of the stuff that she had said with, like, Snow White and everything, like, a lot of people were like, that's really negative, and, like, it was a little Mm off-putting, and I agree, but I do think that the hate that she got was undeserved, because there are a lot of actors that will criticize the movies that they're in. Like, Robert Pattinson hated, absolutely hated Twilight when he was in it, and he trashed on it, he made fun of it, and, like, interviews where he was just like, I didn't want this, and then he'll make fun of it. But people were like, oh my god, he's so funny. Like, he's so, like, Mm -hmm. he's so, like, sarcastic, you know? And he didn't get 
any of the reception that she got. And the worst thing that she said was she was like, Snow White in the 30s wasn't a, like a feminist icon, which she wasn't wrong. All she did was clean houses and cook. She also said, though, that they could cut out her co-partner's Oh, she said we could cut out all of his scenes and the movie wouldn't even be changed. Girl, we can't be doing that. You know? Yeah, like, I feel like she's gotten a lot of media training since because for this movie, she said things like, Lucy Gray Baird is a performer forced to be a fighter and Katniss is a fighter forced to perform. Like, this girl, she, she learned. But, you know, I just think a lot of the hate that she got was undeserving. Like, just like if, if Robert Pattinson sat down and was like, if we took Taylor Lautner's scenes out of the movie, it would still be a grand movie. You know, like, <laughs> I do be Team Edward, so what's your point? Oh, I just, yeah, I just think, I just think, yes, she said some stuff that was off-putting. Um, there's a few that she had said that made her seem, like, just made her come across a certain way. Yeah. But I just don't think she was deserving of all of the hate she got. And no, even, even even with the stuff that she said, there was some stuff where I was like, I, I really don't like that. I was like, that yeah. wasn't, like, you know, there's a lot of actors that would kill for the opportunities that you have. Right. You know? Put me in a little dress, I'll be Snow White. Like, <laughs> please. Like, but I just think the reaction that she got from it and still is getting from it is just so crazy. I agree. Like, there's so many people in Hollywood that have done, like, a crime. <laughs> like, straight up. People people in Hollywood that, like, do crime actively um, are, like, in cults. Um, publicly. Publicly in cults. Like, <laughs> or just, like, um, yeah. And they don't. Like, they still have careers. Yeah, I yeah, I do think people are ragging on her way, 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 yeah. way too much. I think it would just benefit her to, like, maybe shut up for a little bit. Yeah. And, like, let her insane talent speak for itself. Yes. I just think if men like Chris Brown can still have a career, Rachel Ziegler should be able to be a negative Nelly if that's what her personality <laughs> is. Like, if she's a negative Nelly, that's okay because she's talented. But, like, if we're still supporting men like Chris Brown... Leave Rachel alone. Yeah. Yeah. Let her be a negative Nelly. I don't even think she is that negative, though. <laughs> I just think Girlie is, like, fed up. And I think she's just unfiltered fair. and a little bit... I was gonna okay. say, she really do be just a theater kid plucked out of high school into a Steven Spielberg oh, movie. absolutely. Like, she was just fresh-faced, like, just literally purely picked out because of her talent. And you know how big of a theater kid she is? She was in a Steven Spielberg musical and asked him, while filming that movie, while filming What Side Story, she asked if she could finish her senior year musical, The Shrek. And he let her do it, and so she did it. She, like, painted herself green, and she finished her high school musical while doing, like, a big, like, theatrical movie. That's how big of a theater kid she is. So, yeah. like, you know what? She's young. I feel like you say a lot of stupid shit. Yep. Oh, if someone plucked me right out of my, like, grade 12 year when I was, like, super uber theater kid and gave me, like, a feature film, like, lead role, I would be uh, just the worst. Exactly. And I, I, it would definitely get to my head, too. 
Absolutely. I, my head, you know. I think, like, going to theater school, like, a lot of theater college is everybody absolutely embarrassing themselves in front of, like... <laughs> Like, your teachers, like, <laughs> in, like, New York theater school, your teacher is, like, actually Alphaba. Like, she was Alphaba last year on Broadway, and you get up there, and you absolutely embarrass the crap out of yourself in front of her, and then you're like, that was good. Like, that was a good day. I think you need, like, sometimes you need that, you need to live out that experience after high school theater. I just very different. I just want to make a note for those of you who don't know who Alphaba is. She <laughs> is the, she is the Wicked Witch of the West in um, Wicked. Which, if you don't know what Wicked is, it is a musical version of oh my god, Dorothy, the Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz. There you go. That's if who Alphaba is. You don't. I'm judging you a little bit because it's been on Broadway for like 20 years. Beautiful. I feel like they've heard of it though. They'll they'll have, they'll have heard of Wicked, but they're not gonna know who right. Alphaba. Okay, okay, thank you. She's the lead. She's the lead character in Wicked the musical. The musical, which yeah. has been on Broadway for like twenty some years. Yes, thank you. Okay, <laughs> yes, like those are your teachers, right? You're standing up there. Your voice is cracking. You can't dance. They put you in a ballet class, like in a jazz tap. <laughs> exactly. Like you look like a fool. And you have to work through those moments, and it humbles you. Like, I think you need need life experiences past high school theater to, like, yeah, to be thrown from high school theater to to Steven Spielberg is wild. Yeah. And it is incredibly, incredibly, like, one of those, like, Cinderella stories, you know? Yes. And... She got there because of that insane talent, but I just think people are not giving her enough grace and forgetting that she really was just, like, 1920. Yeah. 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 Someone, I think, I think someone on her, like, team or, like, someone around her at some point should have just been like, hey, Rachel, (laughs) shh. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Like... And I think the media training is happening. Yeah. It just, it needed to happen. Yeah. I think she just needs to lay low for a little bit. Like, if she wants to completely repair her image, she needs to let Hunger Games speak for itself, because I think it will. I think it is, though. I think it is already. Yeah. Because I already see the reception for her. There's a lot of... I will look into comments with Rachel's, like, interviews now, and half of it will be like, I'm a Rachel Zegler apologist, or they're like, like, I just, she's so talented, like, that voice, blah, blah, blah. And then there will be uh, another half, which are still hanging on to their reaction of how she was before yes. from Snow White where they will straight up be like Rachel Zegler is a bitch and she was just like I really liked singing you know yeah. and so there are people that are just still dragging that hate out but I do see a lot of people being like no I love her like I don't oh my god like yeah. I can't believe I hated her that much you know so it is already redeeming her this is kind of <clears throat> off topic That's sort fair. of not really but there's this whole idea of women in Hollywood can't be in the public eye for too long until the public turns on them. So that never happens with male stars, but there will be multiple times where a girl, like a woman, has just been in a lot of movies. She's on this trajectory of her career where it's going up, but if she's been in too many for a few years, the public gets sick of seeing her. And then they'll Mm. get a bunch of hate, and then they'll have to go into hiding for a little bit, and then they come back, and then everyone's like, oh my gosh, I love her, where did she go? Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is... The public reception, like, there's just a standard in Hollywood that you see 
towards women that is just not there for men. You know who I think that's happening to right now? Who? Jenna Ortega. I think so too. Um, because she was in X, X and Pearl. Pearl. Was she in Pearl? No, no, no. She was in X, X and Scream. And Scream, thank you. Wednesday. She was Wednesday. And then she's doing Beetlejuice yes. too. And I think I think we're starting to see people being like, why is she in everything? They're nitpicking her. They're starting to do that. And we saw that with Jennifer Lawrence because yes. she did Hunger Games and then she did um, the Silver Lining Playbook and mm-hmm. then she she did Joy and all of it was like in this curve and everyone's like, oh my gosh, she's so funny. She's so relatable. And then all of a sudden they were like, she's insufferable. She's so annoying. She's trying too hard and she literally disappeared. Yeah. And now she's back and everyone's like, oh my God, she's amazing. You yeah. know? Well, it's like, everyone was like, oh my God, Jenna Ortega is literally perfect for Wednesday. She has the yeah. look, she has the acting skills, she has this, she has the like facial expressions, the like deadpan humor. Mm-hmm. She has all these things. She's perfect. Mm-hmm. And then she gets put into horrors and thrillers like Scream and X, which I would argue she's perfect for. She's perfect for. And then of course she's going to be in Beetlejuice. She's perfect for. It's gothic. It's gothic. Like she obviously has this like look. niche. Yeah. yeah. And like, then people are like, a, why is she in everything? She's not. She's literally in a specific genre. Yeah. Like, she has not left this genre, truly. No. And she's good at it. Yeah. And so, obviously, there's credentials, and she's kind of, like, leading this genre. So, of course, all these directors and producers are going to go to her because she's got the look. She's got the chops. Right. You know? And I just, I just think it's... <sighs> because men literally don't have to reinvent themselves to make it in the industry and you right. see that in acting and you even see that in like the music industry mm-hmm. you know at ev- at every award show women show up in all these like elaborate dresses and themes and all of this and every man shows up in a suit the suit they wore last year yeah <laughs> the same black suit you know what i think the only I'm gonna, I'm gonna like be positive for a second. I think we're the, being negative Nellies. We are being negative Nellies. God, I can't believe we're putting this on the internet. Okay, no. God. <laughs> I think the only positive that comes out of that, like, obviously it's a negative thing, but to like, I don't know, look on the bright side or whatever, is that I think women tend to get more attention in those circles because of those things and therefore like would Jenna Ortega have blown up the way she did and gotten those deals if she were a man probably not because that attention wouldn't have been so yeah because I can't name a single man from Wednesday right And, like, there's not a lot of, like, young men actors that kind of have those career, like, trajectories that, like, somebody like Jenna Ortega and Rachel Ziegler do. Like, I can't name one. I really can't. Billy Eilish. I can name all these young women. Yeah, like, I really can't think of... Like, I think, I think that would be the only positive. It's, it's, it's like, it kind of... Even if the... You know the thing that's, I like, um... Okay, not to be, like, the devil's advocate. <laughs> but is it really a positive if that attention and that love or whatever, if it's very short-lived? You know? Because it, it gets to a point where it shoots up and then it plateaus. But mm. that's not... That doesn't... It's not because of their talent or what they're putting out kind of, like, falls flat. It's just because, like... 
it's just like a roller coaster. It's very up and down. So is it really positive if... I think it depends what your, like, idea of it being, like, a success is. Money, yes, it's a positive. I guess. But it is terrifying that these girls are only, like, what, 22 at most, 23, 24, and they are already having so much scrutiny and they're only at the beginning of their career and i would almost argue that all of that attention is only coming because there is a lot of people that's sexualizing them hmm. that's not good <laughs> I, uh, no i'm not saying like i'm saying but there there is like it's not just like i i just don't think it's like a wholly terrible thing no i agree i think there are good like you know people say like um any pub publicity is good publicity. Oh my god. You know what I'm trying- Any publicity is good publicity? Like, yeah. bad publicity is good publicity? Like, you can work with it. Like, I'm sure- I'm- I'm seriously so entirely sure that Jenna Ortega does not lose sleep over it. Yeah. Because she's a millionaire now. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's- she- and she has all these amazing gigs and she's working with Tim Burton and she's- You know what I mean? Like, I just don't think- I don't think it's something that is... That they're worried about. I don't think so. Yeah, no. Yeah. And I even with that, it doesn't necessarily slow them down. Because mm -hmm. all they have to do is like not go on social media and they wouldn't see all this perception. You know, they can yeah. still keep doing their thing and they will still have a big following or a good chunk of it, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I just thought it was an interesting... Yeah. Interesting detail interesting i don't know just something that i've noticed yeah i think it's a, i think Billie eilish is also a good example mm -hmm. because she got a lot of i mean people bullied her for her weight people bullied her for like the way she showing sang. her body not showing her body right like wearing like even when she turned 18 and she like wore like something that wasn't baggy for the first time and the internet like blew up like ew first of all yeah but also like on the other hand did that boost her career yeah absolutely like yeah. and now she's one of the biggest pop stars in the world yeah she's got an oscar she's got grammys mm -hmm. i think she's gonna get another oscar for barbie with her original song yeah yeah i think so there's other people in that category. I don't remember who, but I think she's gonna. Yeah. I think it's also similar with Taylor Swift. Mm hmm Like, a lot of, like, the, you know, the stuff that Kanye did was awful. Mm -hmm. Like, literally awful. But did it somehow, like, was there a silver lining to it? Maybe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think, I think that's a good word for it. Like, I think there are silver linings here. Yeah. I agree. Mm. Anyways, we're not even talking about the Hunger Games anymore. <laughs> I don't have anything else. I was, I was gonna say, I am a Rachel Zegler stan. Me don't too. Don't cancel me I for the things I have said in this podcast. I just think it is, <laughs> I think it is absolutely um, productive to love an artist or a public figure and also still have criticism on them. I think if you are somebody who can only love or hate artists, mm -hmm. then I it's it's just like it makes me question you. Right. <laughs> and it just is like I think criticism 
allows for people to grow and improve and to like I hate getting criticism because I take it to heart and I will cry about it but I know it is very much needed for me to be better especially like when it comes to craft or just even as a person you can always be better and so yeah criticism sucks but I think it's also productive to have criticism and just critiques if you are ever famous I'm going to be your number one hater You're going to be famous and off one day, and I'm going to be sitting doing this podcast, and I'm going to frame it exactly like this. Like, I'm not going to center it on myself. I'm going to leave a space for you right there. And I'm just going to... bitch left me. Yeah, I'm going to critique every movie you ever make. I'm going to I'm gonna critique your accents. I'm going to critique your interviews. It's okay. I will be right there with you doing it to myself. <laughs> um, just, because you know. try. Try being my biggest hater. That is me. <laughs> <laughs> like... What's that thing that it's like if if um like this person doesn't have a number one fan, I am dead. Like yeah. if the, if I don't have a number one hater, I am dead. Like that's you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, you know what, Amy, I just can't believe you said that in that interview. And also, um that one moment in that movie you did, like yeah, I just didn't believe it. <laughs> I'm just like sitting beside you cringing. Like, bawling your eyes like out. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I'm like, that southern accent you did didn't do it for me. Sorry. <laughs> And you're just crying. Like, <laughs> crying, and I'm like, I know, Izzy. How did I, I'm just, like, agreeing with you with everything. <laughs> I, I, I'm all talked out. You I've got no more ballads to sing. But thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. For watching and listening. Yes. You can find our podcast anywhere you get your... She's trying to leave. You can find our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, you can also find us on YouTube if you want to see our faces while we scream at you you can also find us on tiktok and instagram <clears throat> all of it under at flicks and giggles podcast that is instagram tiktok youtube spotify apple music all of those things flicks and giggles podcast mm-hmm. um and that is all for today yeah. <laughs> are we gonna say it together yeah we are yeah. <laughs> see, see you next, next tuesday, tuesday.